0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to That Triathlon Life Podcast. I'm Paula Finley.
1: I'm Eric Loggersham.
0: I'm Nick Goldston. And we are here today on episode number, I lost count because it's been so many now. <laughs> this
2: is eight, Paula.
0: Eight already. Wow. Oh, Joe. It's I just becoming you. a Monday night routine. So oh, this is actually Tuesday night.
2: You guys miss me already or are you glad I'm gone? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> just, uh... To continue with my intro, we, Eric and I are both professional triathletes. Nick is a professional musician, amateur triathlete, best friend, and just kind of does everything. And Nick graciously came to Florida with us this past weekend for the couples triathlon for many reasons, most of all to keep us in a level headspace space and in a good mood, but also did a ton of editing and actually did the whole vlog this week, filming, editing, all the things for your viewing pleasure.
2: Luckily, I didn't have to do the racing, but I did do the rest.
0: <laughs> you did everything but the racing, yeah, which was a, arguably harder. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. the amount of time we spent racing was uh, one-tenth of the time that I'm sure you spent editing, as, as I know.
0: So by the time this pod goes up... Uh, the vlog will also go up, kind of an unusual day for us. We usually release them on Sunday, but we wanted to get our little race recap of the couple's try up as quick as possible while it's still relevant. Nick did all of the editing and check out the YouTube channel for that. So,
1: so if you really want to know like all the details on that and how we feel about it and what it looked like and everything, I like, highly recommend go watch that. But we kind of thought we could just do a little outro on on that whole experience and like what we think it means you know, for the sport and how... You know, just just a little more casual rather than I dove into the water. Right, and I right, wasn't yeah. feeling good. There's plenty of that in the vlog. So if you yeah. if you want that, you can check that out. But Nick,
0: do you have a real job? Or are you just now doing all the shit for us and not getting paid? <laughs> it's, it's wildly out of control. It's true. It's true. Nick's like pausing our pod recording so he can go and upload his our video on his other computer. That's funny, <laughs> Meanwhile, That's he's funny. like doing this hundred percent for fun. Well, it is fun. But anyway,
2: uh, about the race, I thought the area was very cool. We'll see if next year if that happens if it's in the same area. I think the original idea of having it twice through each athlete instead of once through is a really solid idea, and I would I would love to see that next year.
0: Yeah, it would have definitely changed the results. I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like going one time through definitely like it hurt us a little bit. I would say, and anyone who identifies as a long course athlete because. I, just like having done the Island House on years ago, the the second time through, diving into the water, kind of tired and and getting onto the bike and trying to hush, push power again, that is a very interesting, awful experience that I can only relate to like the last fifteen k of a seventy point three bike ride where the wheels are coming off. So,
0: I think the overwhelming. Response from people that I've seen is criticizing the broadcast. And I have mixed feelings because it does suck to pay money to watch a broadcast that doesn't really show you the race accurately and is hard to follow. Um, there is a learning curve to that, obviously. And I think Heather and Greg Bennett did a great job of commentating it with the visuals they were given. Um, but I think the overall goal of it was to show that. I mean, professional athletes, there was this huge prize purse, and I think we all deserve to be able to make that much money when we race. And like looking at the Oceanside start list, it's absolutely insane. It's like a world championship, and the prize money is maybe $5,000. So to have a race of this magnitude, I guess, in terms of the prize money investment, it's similar to what the PTO is doing, and it just kind of elevates the sport in general and gives us the opportunity to make a living at this so that was cool
1: yeah and it's just a unique idea right you know I've always been a big proponent of that and and wish triathlon would have more unique courses and stuff and just give people more stuff to talk about it's a a, not like an entirely new format but the idea of having a relay is very cool and so many triathletes out there non-professionals do the sport with their significant other I think a lot of people can identify with it and you know it's like Paul said, it's a bit of a learning curve, and I know that they'll nail the broadcast next time, uh, but just so much, you know, spit off trying to put this together basically in four months um, without having a, a huge team of people that have done triathlons.
2: And relatively speaking, it went really well. Like, Right. From no an one, athlete perspective. From, yeah, Smith. from the athlete per- Like no yeah. one went off course or anything like that because yeah. they didn't know what was happening. No one got hurt. Yeah, very
0: clear. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I was
2: wondering, when's the last time you guys like did a sprint? Cause was is this a, was it like you remembered it as far as the feeling?
0: <laughs> it was unique because it was on a TT bike, and I don't think we've ever done a sprint All on right. a non-draft bike. It's more like get out of the water, and then you have this pack, and then you're running as fast as you can. So yeah, different dynamic.
1: It's been it's been like five years, four years since we've done a, a sprint race, but it didn't feel that much different than doing a non-draft Olympic bike. It's just since we haven't done any training really for the true sprint distance you're just kind of stuck in somewhere between olympic distance pace and 70.3 pace trying to go harder when your body's kind of like what do you mean no thanks i'm good (laughs) and you guys finished just off the podium right in fourth yeah
2: just off the podium so were you the were you the fastest long course couple well i guess the french couple technically is a long course couple right
1: uh, yeah. Kinda yeah. Kinda depends how you define long course couple. And some of the people in front of us are kind of in the process of transitioning to right. long course like Aaron and Nan and we don't know the French couple very well, but I um, think they do predominantly seventy point three or Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good recap of the of the race. We should uh, we yeah. have so many good questions this week from people that have emailed in. We do that. I'm excited to get to. So thanks for following along. The couples try saga. Yes, <laughs> right. yeah, if you
1: want to know more about that, go watch Nick's beautiful, beautiful video. It's such a cool YouTube. video.
0: It like captures the vibe perfectly. It's a lot of, um, kind of not raw footage. Cause it's obviously edited, but not to music. So yeah. it, you really get the feeling that you're almost in the room with us. Yeah. That that's was how I felt anyway. That
2: was the feeling. It was supposed to be just like what it would actually have been like to, to be there. There's this great movie called boyhood. Um, by Richard Linklater I think and it's it follows this kid through his life and it like it leaves out all the big moments and just gives you all the in between moments and the end feeling is like it just paints this big picture without mm-hmm. hitting you over the head with a story that was the kind of the idea that we tried to do with the blog <laughs> this week I,
0: yeah i think you nailed it yeah. it's really cool
2: anyway by the way before we start questions the email address for questions and we love getting your questions is that triathlon life brand at gmail.com. So send those in. Maybe we'll answer your questions on the pod. Oh, speaking of which, one last thing. A few people came up to me uh, at the race because <laughs> on the last episode I said, if you t- recognized me and didn't come up to me, I would hunt you down. And people were really nice. And there were a lot of people wearing TTL stuff at the race. Like there weren't even that many people there. It felt like half of them were wearing TTL stuff. So it was I think, pretty, it was I pretty think cool. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was a bit of a... <laughs> kind of a hard place to get to I guess like a little far from everywhere yeah. in Florida but everyone who came was like a diehard TTL nation yeah <laughs> no,
1: it was it was amazing yeah the total number of people that I thought would watch was like the number of people that were wearing yeah PTL exactly shirts was, same, and same one one guy even had a transition four hat on oh, which is just my God. if anybody listening even knows what transition four is that goes back a minute and I think they're about 12 to 15 transition four hats even in existence yeah that's so
2: funny um (laughs) anyway first question this one is from sarah hi paula eric nick and flynn my husband and i are big ttl fans we are loving the content and really appreciate you opening your lives up to us i wanted to thank paula for talking about how she dealt with her injury and having to be on the sideline while eric was able to race I'm currently watching my husband crush the Napa Valley Marathon while I have a tear in my calf and I'm not cleared to run. Also, I'm getting so many compliments as I stand here and cheer about my green TTL travel mug. So I have a couple of questions I wanted to throw out to you. One, my kids want to know if Flynn is fully grown. Oh God, I hope so. (laughs)
0: Please. Please (laughs) Please be fully grown. (laughs) Yeah, he is. He's, uh, He's over two now, so I hope he is. But he... Is like maybe still filling out more. He's still pretty lanky, so he might get heavier. But I would say he's not going to get any taller.
2: Yeah, great. Uh, number two, do you sleep well the night before a race? This is, a, this is such a timely <laughs> this <is> question. So <laughs> <applicable> <laughs> I am constantly to the checking tri. the clock because I get stressed about missing the start. So, how do you guys sleep yeah. the night before the race? Oh my
0: gosh, I can't remember having a worse night's sleep than I did before the couples try this past weekend. It was horrific. I have an aura ring, so I know how much sleep I got. It was under four hours of sleep. And it wasn't because I was particularly nervous or because I was worried about not waking up. I was just like, I had to go pee a bunch of times. I was sweating. I was... So anxious and not sleepy. It was so weird, and Eric was the same. Like Eric was up all night as well. So was I. Not because of me. So was I. Oh yeah, Nick was. Nick was in our room with us. Yeah,
1: we actually we got in we got in an argument at two a.m. I guess I I guess I was sleeping because I honestly did not hear that. I I think we were yeah, or you just pretended. No, I did, which I I appreciate. I would
2: do that, but uh, actually, no, I'd probably join in. I'd take one of your sides just to feel the fire.
1: I think the the major contributing factor at least the only thing that we can think of for the reason with that is is that for the race, we weren't like declaring who was going first in the you know relay until I mean we could both stand there in our wetsuits and then just one person walks forward and ten seconds later the gun goes off so there it was just so hard to imagine or predict or visualize anything that was going to happen and it, it was you know just like so many unknowns and everything and
0: but but more particular to the question, I think it doesn't matter too much how much sleep you get the night before a race, as long as you're well rested leading into the race, have a good night the night before the night before, and then the night before the race, you know you're not you're gonna have to yeah. wake up early. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a mess, but what I was trying to think to myself as I was lying there, wide awake, sweating out all of the fluids in my body, was that at least I was horizontal with my eyes closed, and that's got to be doing something. Right? I, I heard not, you.
2: I heard you ask Eric like four times. Like it's, yeah. it's good that we're lying down, though, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, at least yeah, it's we're good. not
0: like out partying. <laughs>
1: I mean, on the plus side of it, not having fallen asleep, we really didn't have to wake up. Yeah, so like, just, like we weren't that walked tired. Walked yeah. 0% tired upon waking up. Yeah,
0: we're just like, wow, this is a continuation of yesterday. We just pulled an all-nighter. Right.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've heard, I've heard the same thing that the night before, the, the night of the race or the night before the race is actually not that important. It's the nights leading up to it, especially especially the two nights before the race. That's what's really important. Night before and the night before. Yes, that's right.
0: And if the reason you can't sleep is because you're worried about waking up, just set like ten alarms. That's what I do.
2: Yeah, I feel like there's nothing that's there's nothing that's going to take that away. Everyone's always having those stress dreams
1: about missing the start or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. But I have those dreams randomly, like two months before the yeah, race. You I know? know, I've never had one of those.
0: That's not a nightmare. That's like race. a dream come true. Like you mean I slept
1: through the start? Wow. Yeah. Oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, but but at least my dreams, I'm always like trying to run to the start oh, right, in right. slow motion and my bike tire <laughs> is like popped right. and I've got Your 30 seconds work. <laughs> and like yeah, it's just all this stuff. Oh. So it's it's not that you just like blissfully slept through it. Right. <laughs> it's like you're there, you right. just can't get there. Right. Yeah, you know, like everyone has those dreams
2: where they're trying to run, but they can't run fast. Now, imagine if the thing you're trying to run to is a thing where you're running fast. It's just the worst. Terrific. Um, Okay, number three, how do you choose your races? Are you looking for a specific terrain, or is it the build up to worlds that is your focus?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's a very complex algorithm where we compare (laughs) how much it costs to get to the race. Can we drive there? Is it a cool race? Do we think it's going to be an insane field, prize money, and this also like so PTO points now. Do you think about that too? Yeah, yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah. Like this year, the year is a bit dictated by the PTO schedule and then world championships and doing what we can before the PTO tour to get points to get to the PTO tour. Right. So that involves racing pretty much every North American 70.3 that comes up between now and the summertime. And on the flip side of that, um, Eric can speak more to this, I'm rambling on, but there are actually a lot of Olympic distance non-draft races this spring, St. Anthony's, Alcatraz, and LA Triathlon, which don't count for PTO points, but Eric loves the Olympic distance non-draft, so he wants to do all of those. So I think um, we pick our schedules kind of what we like as well, because generally that's what we are good at you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think we do a pretty good job of picking races that, that actually get us mo- like emotionally interested. Like we don't particularly, either of us really like to race in Texas that much and like humid, humid races, races that are just completely flat, um, versus some races that have some undulation on the bike and anything that's a little bit interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, t- to Paula's point the, the non-draft Olympic scene seems making a little bit of a comeback right now. And those races all have decent prize purses. Um, like Around ten thousand um, dollars to win them, so it's. I, I would personally love it if that distance made a bit of a comeback in the next couple of years.
2: So speaking of distance, her next question was about how important Worlds is to you. It, it sounds like as a seventy point three athlete, you can. You don't have to put as much stock into that one race, whereas as a full distance athlete, it's like even when you do your races, it's to like potentially get a slot to. Mm -hmm. qualify at worlds. Is that true? Or, or do you guys feel like worlds is actually a really big deal for you?
1: Um, I I would say worlds is a big deal for us and probably even more so Paula versus me because I, I truly believe she has a decent chance of winning it or being on the podium versus for me, you know, like getting seventh last year was, I was over the moon about it. Um, but that's not like necessarily a career result that's going to change the outlook of how you get sponsored or or how well known you are. Um, but it's kind of a bit of a changing landscape because it used to be that you could go to, there were so many 70.3 races around the country and you could go make money at ones where there was maybe 10 guys racing. Um, and I don't want to say cherry pick, but it was a little more spread out and everything. And now it's like, there are less races, less money, more people racing. And it's, it's a lot harder to maybe make any sort of a living with not being involved at world championships.
0: Yeah, also to qualify, it becomes more challenging as well because every race is so competitive. But in terms of, I think the PTO Tour races maybe have slightly increased importance for me because one of them's in Edmonton, my hometown. The prize money is insane, like double what Worlds is. But I think the prestige of being a world champion or on the podium at a world championships is most people's big goal and dream in the sport when you're racing long course. Whether that's Kona or 70.3 Worlds. So that definitely has an important piece of our year.
2: Totally. Right. Great. Well, she finished it off by saying, wishing you all the best this race season. We will be cheering you on. That includes you, Nick. (laughs) We are so pumped for your Ironman. Yeah, me too. Thank you, Sarah. That was a great question. So next question is from Bryn. Wait, that Bryn?
0: Yeah. My friend. (laughs)
2: <laughs> so, if this is the person I think it is, she worked at the Specialized Bike Shop in Santa Monica, and okay. she is a, such a badass. First thing, she's extremely fast, like had a lot of KLMs in, in, uh, in LA. She's oh, cool. super fast. Like, she raced her first—she was a triathlete growing up, and I see that she says that here. And then she raced her first Cat 5 race and just— annihilated the field in a solo breakaway that's great (laughs) Um, anyway she says hi TCL folks I love the podcast and Nick is truly a gem one of my favorite people to ride with when I lived in LA I grew up doing triathlons age 5 to 18 and then found my way into other sports but I'm inspired by y'all and would love to get back into triathlon after grad school Paula, I appreciated your conversation around race weight because I think it's really important for badass female athletes to lead the charge in expressing that the number on the scale should not be the focus, rather to fuel yourself and get as strong and fast as possible. A couple questions. Number one, what do you think needs to happen to promote inclusion in the culture of triathlon? I definitely think it has come a long way, but there are still tons of barriers to entry for many people. So how do you see the sport evolving in a positive way?
1: Um. For me, I, I think the, the biggest thing that people think about when is there's like a barrier to entry with the sport is is the cost of a bicycle, right? Um, maybe that and like pool fees. Are your biggest things, but I mean, I did my first triathlon. Granted, I was a a youth swimmer growing up, but I did it on a Schwinn Traveler bike that I got for fifteen dollars, and I wore duct tape on like my Adidas tennis shoes and and made it across the line. So my my total upfront investment for that race was like the seventy dollars for the entry plus the fifteen dollars for the bike and some duct tape. So I I think like letting people know that triathlon—you don't need to go out and get at least a two thousand dollar bike to go out there and have fun and do one like you can you can do it on almost anything and get across the line that that's a big a big component of it for me and that's like a cultural shift too i guess
0: aside from financial barriers i think generally triathlon is a fairly inclusive sport there's equal opportunity for men and women i feel like the vibe at most races is pretty welcoming and um accessible to people of any ability And also there's a ton of different distances you can do from try a try all the way up to full Ironman, which makes it easy to select kind of within your ability. So the barriers, I guess, are more financial potentially with all the gear involved and the entry fees. (laughs) But in general, I think it's a pretty inclusive sport.
2: But something that I have noticed is as far as race goes, it does seem to be predominantly white people
1: that do it. 100%. Oh
2: yeah. And I've I'm not totally sure why, but when I think about it, I, I see a similar thing in cycling and in swimming. It seems like cycling and swimming, cycling less so, but swimming more so. It's in, and it, there's no reason for it, right? It's just horrible, racist stuff that happened
1: decades ago still having an impact today. I, to me, it's, it's like these are sports that are not, not inherently enjoyable. They have almost no financial you know, potentials. For them or anything, and, it, and if you're, I don't know if, you, if you're if you're a kid of color living in in an inner city neighborhood or whatever, like you have instant access to a basketball. The earnings potential are, are limitless. It's yeah. a thousand times more fun than going to a swimming right. pool. It's just right. like, why would you? No, try that's to become a, that's a, a really good point.
2: Like uh, it pays like nothing compared to other sports. Yeah, right. If
1: I was talented enough to be a, a football player, I would have done it. Yeah. <laughs> This is the fallback.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, got it. Yeah.
0: No, I was just going to say running is so accessible to anyone, anywhere. Yeah. No matter what country you're in. You um, don't need a single
1: thing. um, It's like almost up to our current generation of people in the sport to be more inspiring and make it appear more interesting just to get the total number of people interested in doing it up. So it's, it's still just such a niche sport.
2: Yeah, that's true. Well, we we definitely need to think more about that, and there's we're not smart enough or culturally aware enough to figure out the answer to that question, <laughs> but it's something that we're all interested in is trying to get more variety in the For sport. For sure, um, yeah. Uh, number two from Bran was, what is your favorite bike you've ever ridden? Oh, I know. I'm going to start. My uncle in Italy had this bike where... The handlebars obviously turn, but then the seat post and rear wheel also turn together.
1: Oh, yeah. And
2: I learned how to ride one of those when I was really young, and that's still my favorite bike to ride. It's so <laughs> fun. You can ride it forwards and backwards. You can, backwards is pretty easy because you can just steer with your
0: hips. Yeah.
2: And it's really fun. It's a weird experience. That's
0: awesome. Was not expecting that as an answer. Wow. Yeah. What about
1: you guys? Uh, I would probably say my mountain bike. It's not necessarily a specific mountain bike, but just mountain biking in general is such a, a fun, all-encompassing experience with skill and fitness, and you fly through the air. That's and- right.
0: I'm just gonna say my Specialized Tarmac. I
1: thought you were gonna say the trainer.
0: <laughs> That's not a bike, yeah, Nick.
2: You're right. You're right.
0: I like riding my Specialized Tarmac on the trainer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> I like riding it up hills. Yeah, that bike
2: is amazing. It's so beautiful.
0: Wait till you see my new one. The oh. paint job is like, oh my gosh. It actually sleeps next to me, and Eric sleeps in the guest room. One of
2: the folks gonna see it. One of the folks at home gonna get to see it.
1: <laughs> we're just well, uh, we're just waiting on the parts to show up.
0: The strand sh- parts just shipped yesterday, so uh, then my mechanic is gonna your, work on it. Your for mechanic, a
1: days. huh? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll see if I can slot it into the <laughs> yeah. schedule. It's
0: honestly the nicest bike I've ever seen in my whole life. Like the paint job is so cool. I can concur. I wish you guys. I wish I could show you it's on. It's
1: almost as nice as my TT bike.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is nice. Yeah.
1: Okay. We got some good paints, got jobs coming out on, from bike companies these days. It's a good time to be uh, to be getting new bikes. Yeah.
2: Um, number three, do you have a good luck charm or song? Flynn. <laughs> wow. You guys said that at the exact same time. <laughs> I, wait, did I you say, say Flynn, Paula? Flynn is
1: the opposite of a good luck charm.
0: <laughs> yeah, I said Flynn and Eric said Nick. Oh, you said Nick. <laughs> That's
1: great.
2: <laughs> that's great. Um, yeah, that's true. Well, next time, we need, a, we need a race where there's both Flynn and Nick. That'll be the ultimate. Oceanside. Perfect. We're doing it. That's going to be so hectic. Oh, my gosh. I'm getting anxious. Just thinking about it. <laughs> Two people with that much energy, me and Flynn together? It's dangerous.
0: <laughs> oh, by the way, T T L Nesh, we need a dog sitter potentially for some of the time during Oceanside because we're bringing Flynn, and it's stressing us out thinking about having Flynn in Oceanside, but we also don't want to leave him in Bend for weeks on end. So, if anyone has any interest in like taking Flynn for a walk that week, <laughs> let us know. Oh, and if there's too many people, I'll be doing a competition, so.
2: And it's going to be in form of song. You have to write and perform a song about why you're the best person to take care of Flynn, and I'll be judging it.
0: Oh my God. Or the biggest Venmo deposit. Yes, that's
2: right. that's right. You have to pay us to look after Flynn. Um, no, you know what? I'll say this. If anyone writes a song about why they think they should uh, take care of Flynn, a very good chance we'll play a part of it, at least on the podcast. So you can send send those in. It can be as simple as like a voice recording on your phone.
1: Um, If anybody ever writes a song, period, we will play it it on the pod. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, number four, what
2: did you want to be when you were a little kid? And would you still do that job as post-pro
0: racing? Mm. I wanted to be a doctor. I would 100% do it post-pro racing. It's just so much school that I don't know if I have enough life for that.
1: I wanted to be a pro athlete of some sort, any sort. Kind of jumped around what I wanted to be. But I didn't. I,
2: when I was really little, I wanted to be a pro motocross racer. And then that switched to pro snowboarding. And then when I was like seven, <laughs> I was like music. And now here we are. stick oh, stuck really? with the music thing. Yeah.
0: Wow. So you guys both followed your dreams and I was just like, That's too hard. I'm being a an athlete.
2: (laughs) I like how doctor is too hard, but professional athlete made sense to you. Yeah. There's a lot more doctors than professional athletes in the world.
1: I would say doctor is definitely a simpler pathway. You just get on it and pay the money and get off of it. It's not
0: just paying them. You have to be smart.
1: Well, yeah, but it's like totally laid out and planned out versus we just like are fully making up how to make money and just everything as we go. It's different. It's different. No, I'm definitely not saying it's easy. It's just like there is a yeah, it's a clear pathway to the end.
2: Yeah, that is true. Although you could say the same thing
1: about triathlon, right? Like if you just keep winning, <laughs> yeah. Not nah, hardly. Like all the people who just kept winning and but hated social media, they're all gone now. Like it, it just since all we've right. been in the sport, it's evolved so much. It's 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 wild. Well,
2: that's that's from Bryn. Thank you, Bryn. By the way, Bryn lives in Portland now. She moved oh. to Portland, yeah, for school. Um, but she's a badass. You guys should ride with her if you're ever in Portland. She's
1: extremely strong.
0: That's awesome.
2: I'd uh, love
1: we, to. we do need to get back to Portland for a little bit of like curvy, twisty road riding at some point. I miss it there.
2: Uh, okay, next question is from Rachel. She says Hey, TTL squad, my question is about nutrition. Do you track macros? Use any supplements or vitamins? Thanks, love the pod. I'm a beginner in the sport. Have learned so much from you already. By the way, my jaw dropped when you mentioned Trixie Mattel in the first episode. Yes, honey. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, you guys went into this a bit, but you, you do not track macros, right? Just
0: about Trixie. Um, when we were in, <laughs> when we were in Florida, Nick was face Trixie while she was like in drag asking questions about the mic and stuff. And I was just like, my jaw was dropping to the ground. I was like, this is cool. Am I in a reality TV show?
1: It would be safe to say that Paula could not even. <laughs> she could not even.
0: <laughs> and then Nick let me even let me talk to her. Let and I said, it. Trixie girl, I am so proud of your running. Keep uploading to Strava. I'm your biggest fan. I, actually, I don't know. She probably has bigger fans she than me. She definitely has
2: <laughs> bigger fans than you. I have seen them. Yeah. Biggest fan of her Strava.
0: Oh, Trixie. Yeah. Okay, next. On to the question.
2: Yeah. So, so do you guys any supplements or vitamins? Do you guys take vitamins or anything?
1: Um, we actually have started taking vitamins now that um, Live Momentous like brought out a multivitamin. We're pretty big fans of that. It's got a like. I did a bit of research on it and, and dove into it and like kind of checked. Oh, what's the best type of magnesium and what's the best type of calcium and blah blah. And it had all of the things that the internet says is the best source of all this stuff. So I, I was think we on kind of do starting to do that.
0: We're pretty careful about what we take because we are drug tested, but I really honestly trust momentous as a brand. And this, I'm not trying to make it be like a sponsor plug, but when you have one company that, you know, does diligent screening and testing of all of their products to make sure that they're safe for athletes to take, um, that makes me feel better about it. So right now we take their Omega, we take their multivitamin and we take their collagen along with their protein powders. So the, those are pretty much the only supplements we do.
1: The one other thing that we do that they don't have is an iron supplement, which is just kind of, we've gone over that before, but it's pretty important for any endurance athlete, especially women, women to, to take an iron supplement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like macronutrients, again, we've talked about this before and we've talked to nutritionists in the past and like gotten a pretty good handle on what, you know, just like, intuitively a good micronutrient balance ends up being throughout the day. And we kind of just live by feel at this point, but don't break it down and get yeah. in the weeds. with. it. I them. think
0: it can be important to track it at certain points and so that you have a general awareness. And at this point of our career in racing and training and eating, we have a, like Eric said, a good feel for what encompasses a good diet.
2: But uh, something I've been wondering actually, and I've, I've noticed is, do you guys think compared to pro-athletes of your level, that you are more or less careful with how you eat, when you eat, what you eat?
0: Less.
1: I'm going to guess less, but I also know that there are people that are even less than us. There's definitely a range. I I think you guys are
2: definitely on the extreme end of just eating to taste. You eat what you want, (laughs) you eat what you like. I feel like I
0: don't know if that's a compliment. <laughs> I mean, it's
2: a compliment. Yeah, because you're still racing really well, so it must be working. Yeah,
0: I get when I get to races, I get into this like kind of a negative spiral of like, oh, why am I not fitter? Why didn't I not eat better? Why didn't I do more yoga? Mm. Why didn't I stretch? Why didn't I do more core? Like, you know, I get back from a race and I'm all motivated to improve all of those things because when you get to a race, they're kind of exposed, right. like your performance. Right. Yeah,
1: so Yeah, and I, but at the same time, like no matter what you've done, it's almost all the time you're going to have those thoughts come in so yeah you can always kind of think not always i mean every once in a while you arrive to a race and it's just you're so confident in your performance but a lot of the times it's like oh there's a thing and you know i was injured for a, two days and
0: well i haven't had you know. a single treat since the couple's try so
1: oh my gosh how are
2: you surviving paula <laughs> this is what happens when you leave me you start eating healthy again on <laughs> those, <laughs> those right.
1: two squares of chocolate didn't count
0: <laughs> you yeah, know two squares of chocolate that's like a oh yeah that co- at the coffee okay. shop Okay,
2: fine. I've had treats. Arrest me. (laughs) Next. (laughs) Officer, it's true. Um, Okay, great. So last question. This one is from uh, Tommy, a.k.a. Elevation Every Weekend, which might be his online persona. E, P, N, and Flynn, too. I guess that's us. I'm a longtime cyclist, and I've become fanatical about working towards doing a triathlon and following the sport. As a result, I binged the last few years of the YouTube channel in recent months. Keep them coming. I'm also enjoying the podcast and some TTL swag as well. we would love to hear it. Man, this guy's great. Here are a few questions for your consideration. Do you guys focus much on the PTO rankings, and year-end bonuses connected to that, when looking at the race schedule and deciding which or how many races to compete in, or is it incidental and your focus is race specific.
0: Yeah. You definitely, because of the amount of money involved now and in order to even qualify for the PTO tour, you have to be ranked highly. So it has to matter. And every single middle distance, long distance athlete now is focused on that. Um, Like it or not, like the ranking system or not, you just have to, be in it and you go into a race not knowing at the what your time goal is for certain points, but you just have to race as fast as you possibly can and hope to get as many points as you can. So I think it definitely impacts people's race schedules. And um, the points are set up in a way that if you go to a less competitive race, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get way more points for winning. It's definitely more time-based to make it more fair.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it really just places much more of an emphasis on the speed of the race. Um, but I w what I was thinking was just that now that there's three of these events of the main events per year, that's drastically affecting the way that you have to look at the season. Because if you want to make sure you get into those events, you have to have some really fast races early on it's pretty much pointless to go to an event if you're not in peak fitness because your time is all that matters. And then you have to kind of rearrange the, the whole middle of your season to make sure that you're ready for these big, big events.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of huge events on the calendar this year with people that are doing Ironman St. George and then the three PTO Tour races and St. George World Championships. Just like tons of races where you really want to be like a really good fitness. So balancing the year... To make sure you can stay healthy through all of that, but at the same time trying to qualify for all those things, it's kind of overwhelming. Yeah.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if we see even more injuries happen this year versus any year in the past, just with people trying to like pushing it so hard on the run when they otherwise would have jogged it in because they didn't, they were winning by two minutes already or whatever.
0: Yeah. That's, uh, a good point.
2: that's really interesting. That is a brand new dynamic.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even my race in Oceanside last year, I was off the bike six minutes ahead of second, but I could not just ease up on the run because I needed PTO points. <laughs> so you really still going full gla- gas to the end, no matter what.
1: Yeah, which ultimately if, did hurt her foot and affect her ability to go to her final race of the season. Yeah, so it's uh, yeah, it's totally it's it's weird. It's different. The point
2: of the PTO is supposed to be to help you guys out, right? And it yeah, does. It's hugely
1: it does. a net positive. The amount of money that you stand to win is just colossal and, and is probably prolonging the amount of time that we are able to live in the sport, be in the sport by a few years, at least, I mean, relative to like the Ironman money. So it's, it's a net positive, but you have to you, you have to be, be smart, very people. smart about how you do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, the last little question he
2: had was regarding the bike, how do you feel about the draft distance in the sport currently? Should it be increased? Because it's undeniable right now that at the pro level, even at 12 meters, there is still an advantage in being with a group compared to by yourself. So do we just accept that that's part of the sport or?
0: I think it should be the challenge races and the PTO races are 20 meters. That's what it should be like for everything.
1: I like that you basically said inside of the question, what I was going to say is that it's... At 12 meters, you are getting a little bit of a benefit. We'll say it's 10 watts yeah. or something, um, which does make for a certain type of a dynamic in the race. It, You, know, you could argue that it's more exciting. You could argue that it's less exciting um, versus uh, 20 meters, where it's just you know there's no benefit at all. Everybody's going purely all by themselves. I mean, I don't think anybody would ever argue that ITU racing is... <laughs> is not more exciting than watching an Ironman for, you know, for the duration of the event just because of how many people are still in it and how it has this, like, a tactical thing to it instead of just redline the whole way. So, I don't know. I was just kind of, I'm just talking out loud. and just kind of thinking out loud, and it's kind of interesting in that it's...
2: I'm thinking about it, too. I I don't know. I don't know the answer because now that I think about it, like, it is kind of fun where, you know, some guy goes off the front Away from the group, it's like, wow, he's so strong that he's not staying with the other guys all riding together. Even if it's a minimal advantage to to being in a group, they're still an advantage. And when someone breaks away, it makes it just that much more exciting. It it shows how strong they really are.
1: So, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, there, can, there, can also be, there can also be a disadvantage to being in a group at times. It, it can get slowed down. Like if you're at the back of a seven-person group and the person at the front is going slow, but you don't think you can go all the way to the front, six that can enhance the ability of someone behind you riding solo to ride up and catch cause they're able to ride a consistent high pace. So I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's a different dynamic, but it's, I
0: would also argue that it's more of a factor in men in the men's races, at least what I see. Mm. I think the women's races tend to spread out more and have less pack dynamics, uh, in the short, in the 70.3 distance anyway.
2: Do you feel that's maybe because there's a greater difference in, bike fitness between women so the packs don't form because in the men there's more of a possibly consistent average race speed yeah yeah
0: I don't know why it is but I it's definitely a thing I've I've never been in a pack like a quote unquote pack in a 70.3 race before
1: you've definitely had people like sitting on your wheel. Though. Around,
0: yeah. But yeah. I wouldn't say
1: that's a pack. Not like a full-on pack. I, I would say it's a couple of different things. Like one, if you go through most start lists, on average, if there's 50 men racing, there's 30 women. Right. Like roughly, there's just there's a few more guys on the course in general. And then I would say typically ITU included that like the density of guys inside of the – like and like how close they are inside of the top 10 is the same sort of a factor you know, tighter than the women. So like the top man and the top woman in the world, or we'll say the top three men and top three women in the world, I would say are all equally spectacular and awesome. But then like the next five guys in the world are maybe just as good as the next two women. And Uh, there's just, it feels like there's just like a little bit tighter concentration of ability in that like next 20%. That's just like my gut feeling. Right and there's that's where the packs are. Oh
2: cool. Well, that's all the questions that we had for this week. You can send those questions to that triathlon life brand at gmail.com. Eric, Paula, do you have any final words? Is that
1: it? How long have we been talking? It feels like we've been talking for 20 minutes. 37 minutes. Wow.
0: Wow. No, I know I consolidate the questions. So I know that we have lots of other good ones, but we will save them for another week and then add ones that come in this week as well. So thank you so much for everyone who submitted them. I'm like so impressed with the caliber of questions. They're all things we're genuinely interested in talking about. And I think that shows with the depth that we go into (laughs) for each one. So yeah, just another reminder to check out the... Video that Nick made for us. It's, it's not
2: Nick. It's <laughs> you guys yeah. are you guys are very thankful, but yeah, it's it's the that triathlon life video on YouTube. It's that triathlon life video yeah, yeah. that uh, Nick edited
0: this week. Yeah.
1: yeah, it is on our YouTube <laughs> yeah. channel. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's not Nick's video, although it is. I didn't video. just post
2: it uh, on my Instagram.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, the reason I'm saying this is because Nick took freaking two days straight to make this vlog. And it's we appreciate it so much. It's amazing. So I want everyone to watch it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, cool. That was fun. We, one more thing. We actually did bring a mic to Florida with us, hoping to do like a recording with all three of us in the same room. Yeah. But somehow the day just slipped away from us. We were on the beach. We were I living
1: it up on the beach. Eric, Eric had <laughs> yeah. a nice marg. It was it was pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. We were we were doing what one should do when one is at a tropical yeah. triathlon, and we laid on the beach for a little while. Yeah.
0: So maybe one day in the future we'll all be in the same room while recording, but yeah. Well, I don't there, know if there's just a
1: difference. lot. I kind of, I kind of want there to be a video of that. I and I, like The whole th- it feels like it's such a special thing, and and I don't want to just slam it in before you get in, get on your airplane. You know, yeah. at the <laughs> right. end of the day,
2: well, we're gonna have time for oceanside and maybe some fun that we'll have after that too.
1: We'll have yeah. time to, to make it work. Oh, yeah, man, totally. I, I'm getting so excited for the whole oceanside and what comes after. Yeah, experience. I know. I know. Mm. It's gonna be great.
0: Thanks so much for listening, guys, and. Um,
2: We'll talk to you next week. See ya. Talk to you next week. Bye.